born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. So it is the will of God that every child of God be water baptized. It is a picture of their recognition, I should say, or their identifying themselves with Christ. I believe he did it for me, that he was buried for me. He came back from the dead for me. And since I believe he did that for me, then God says, as a child of God, I should not continue to live in sin for which he died for, and that I should, as a child of God, since I've come back from the dead, spiritually speaking, I haven't physically, I haven't done that yet, that I should walk in newness of life. So should, should there be a difference or change in a Christian's life after he's saved? Yes, there should be. It is the will of God that not only we're saved by grace, but that we are created in Christ Jesus on two good works. So God does want his children to live right, to walk the way they should walk, and it should affect so that the tongue in your mouth and the tongue in your shoe both say the same thing and go in the same direction. All right? Wisdom just flows all over the place. You know. Look in verse 5. Look in verse 5. He says, For if we have been planted, planted together in the, get this, the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Now, water didn't do this to you. Water, being baptized in water, doesn't crucify the old man. Being baptized in water didn't wash away your sins. Water won't wash the dirt off your neck if you don't use soap with it, let alone take away a sin. So he says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed that henceforth, now see the word henceforth, that means from now on. That means after you trusted Christ as Savior, we should not serve sin. Now you still have your sinful nature. You still have the desires to do that which is wrong. But it doesn't mean you should do those things and fulfill those things. So he says, for he that is dead is freed from sin. So it's looking at you as though you died. And when you died, well, then you paid for your sins. And because you paid for your sins and come back from the dead, the only way you can come back from the dead is that sin has no hold on you. You're free. So it's like, I don't have a sinful nature anymore because I died. Now, you and I know that physically, when I die, 
if, uh, for example, I was to die today, and my body is laying here in the casket. I'm not in my body. I am free from the body of sin and death. Because, see, I'm not in it anymore. I'm free from it. Now, God looks at it as though that's already happened. The day you trusted Christ as your Savior, his death, burial, and resurrection put to your account as though you did it. And that's why you'll see in these verses, it says, Reckon ye this to be true. For example, look there in verse 11. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be what? Dead indeed unto sin. Now, you're not dead, but you're supposed to reckon it to be true. Why? Because God said so. You see, this is from God's perspective, a heavenly view, a divine view. There's always a divine view and a human view. And so God said, I want you to see this from my perspective. This is how I see you. When my son died for you, and you believe he did it for you, I saw you in my son. So when my son was on that cross, I saw you on that cross. When my son was buried, I saw you buried. And when he came back from the dead, I saw you come back from the dead. Now I want you to live like I see it. So if we can look at things from God's eyes, from his perspective, it would help us to realize that I, I belong to him. And yes, I was baptized in water as a picture of what I inwardly believe. Now, if you have been saved and you have not been baptized, you are disobedient in that area of your life until you do. It won't matter if you do a thousand things in between, you still were commanded to be baptized. And if you haven't done so, you're still disobedient. You say, well, I can serve the Lord without... I know you can, but that's still an area that's dis disobedient. God commands his children to be water baptized. Does that save you? No, it doesn't save you, but it's a step of obedience. There's many steps that God has told us in his word to do. Does he tell us to study his word? Yeah. Well, if you don't study his word, are you still saved? Yeah, but uh, you're going to forfeit something. Does he tell us to pray? Well, yeah. Well, if you don't pray, you're still saved? Well, yeah. But uh, it's going to cost you something. So anything in the word of God that you know to be his will for you and you refuse to do it, you're disobedient in that area of your life. So if you want the full blessings of God then you should try to deliver the total obedience to God. Now, th in my mind, see, that makes so much sense, but yet there's people who cannot see that. They can't reason. They cannot discern. And that reveals their level of spiritual understanding. So anyway, if you have been saved, be water baptized. Is it going to save you? No, it's not. But it is a step of obedience. It's a picture of what you inwardly believe. And inwardly, spiritually, I hope that you understand and can follow what I'm saying here. But look what he says now. In verse 8. Now, if we be dead with Christ. Now, see, water doesn't do this to you. Water can only be a picture of this. And yet there's some people say that you're not a part of the bride of Christ. Or you're not really part of his church. Unless you are a member in a local church. Well, what happens if you join the church today, so now you're part of the body of Christ? Okay. But the preacher didn't like you, so he voted you out of the church. Okay, now you just lost it. And what happens whenever you die? If, if you were not a member of a church, that means you're not a part of the bride of Christ, which was dependent upon somebody either accepting you or rejecting you. 
You see, I don't believe that those critical things hinges upon what somebody else can or cannot do. But look here. In verse 9, it says, oh, excuse me, the verse, last part of verse 8. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we should also live with him. So you're supposed to believe, okay, I died, I was buried, I came back again from the dead. So now I should live as though I came back from the dead, and all I have is my new birth. The old one is gone. The things of the world, I don't have any love for. And uh, I, uh, I know that my life is hid with Christ. And therefore, seek those things which are above, not on things of the earth. Now, God says in this world, he has given us all things freely to enjoy. So you can enjoy many things in this life. But you don't have to love any of those things. That where they dominate your life, where they rule your life. Nothing should come between you and the Lord. And then he says here in verse 9, Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin. And you ought to underline that next word. Once. So either Christ paid for all the sins of all the world for everybody, or he got to come back and do it again. Or he did it once for everybody, because he says he died for the world. Well, if he did it for the whole world, then he must have died and paid for all the sins. And if he did it once, it means he's not going to do it again. It means that he's not coming back next year to pay for what I did this year. He's already done it 2,000 years ago. So he died once, came back from the dead, never to die again. You and I are supposed to live as though we've already died once, we've come back from the dead, and now we are alive forevermore. And this physical death that might happen to me one of these days, and this old body goes to grave, uh, that's just a little doorway I'm just going through. But see, me personally, my spiritual birth, I'll never die. That's why Jesus said in the book of um, John chapter 11, if a man believes in me, he shall never die. And though he die, yet shall he live. No, wait, 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 Jesus. Now get this thing straight. If a man believe in me, he will never die. And though he die. No, wait a minute. That looks like a contradiction. But he's talking about if a man believes in me, that's the spiritual word, he will never die. And though he die, the flesh, yet shall he live. This one keeps on living. This birth will never die. When I came back from the dead, after I trusted Christ as my Savior, see, and I believe he did all that for me, and it was put to my account, he gave me the free gift of eternal life. Now, how long would it last? Forever. So my new birth, see, will never die. The only thing that's really going to die is going to be my body, and I'm going to be separated from it. But God says, as he looks at it, it's already done. Don't worry about it. As though it's already happened. But yet, I've done lived almost 51 years since that day I trusted Christ as my Savior. But look what else he says. He says in verse uh, 10, For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, because of what Christ has done, you and I are not supposed to let the old sinful nature that we have that lives inside of our body dominate our life 
He doesn't want it to dominate. See what he said in verse 12? Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal, mortal body. That mortal means it's subject to death. It's going to die. But the sinful nature is in our bodies, in the members. That ye should get to, that ye should obey it in the lust. It means that you still have the old sinful nature. You still have the lust of the flesh. And it's possible to yield yourself to it. And it's possible for a Christian to be dominated by the flesh. Or, why would he put it in here if it was all automatic? You're never going to want to do those bad things anymore and all that. No, that's wrong teaching. God says, reckon this to be true. That's why he says in verse 13, Neither yield ye your body as instruments of unrighteousness, but unto the Lord. And um, as he says here, But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. So God is looking at you as somebody who has died and come back from the dead. Now, from henceforth, you and I are not supposed to live for the flesh. And that's why he says, as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Look at the next, another verse, because it's, it's, it's is good stuff. Look in verse 16. He says, know ye not. That to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey his servants ye are to whom you obey, whether sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. It's to the Christian because he has a choice. You can either take this body of yours and yield to the flesh, or you can yield it to God. But you're going to reap what you sow. But you and I are supposed to live with this idea in mind. Since I've already died I should now walk in newness of life and live the way God wants me to live. Take your Bible now and turn to the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 11. 1 Corinthians in chapter 11. I want just to show you a couple things here in this verse of Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. As we study about the, the Lord's Supper, there's four words that are mentioned here, and each one of these words would help us to understand the gravity of the Lord's Supper. Because remember, in 1 Corinthians, he makes a statement in chapter 2. He says, but ye can discern all things. It means that you have the Holy Spirit living within you to help you to discern. You know, right from wrong. The spiritual things from the natural or the carnal things. But many, he was saying, were having the Lord's Supper, and they were not discerning the Lord's body. In other words, the reason why they were doing what they were doing. So he makes a statement here, and when he makes a statement there in verse 24, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do, and, and there's a word there called remembrance. Remembrance. So there's some things you're supposed to remember. Uh, look there in the last part of verse 25. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. So you and I are supposed to have something we're supposed to remember. I wonder what it is. What am I supposed to remember? I forgot. Well, the things you're supposed to remember to do is to discern what you're doing and what he did. Is what you're doing compatible with what he did, the way he is? Or, or is there a big contrast from the way he lived and the way you live? Can you discern the Lord's body, the purpose of life for you? 
The next word I wanted you to look at is called examine. See there in verse 28. Now the reason you remember certain things is because you're supposed to examine yourself. Not your neighbor, just yourself. So, but let a man examine his neighbor. Himself. And then let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Now, when he talks here about the, the not discerning the Lord's body, not discerning the Lord's body, he's talking about not discerning the, the cup or the bread. You don't remember or understand the purpose of why he's saying this. So the first word, remembrance. The next word is examine. Examine who? Yourself. So we're supposed to remember who he is and what he did. This is the Lord's table. It's a divine command for God's children to come together and to partake. To remember what he did on the cross for us. Remembering what he did until he comes. Now what he did was he died and he's coming back. But he can't come back if he never came back from the dead. So he came back from the dead, went into heaven, and he says, I'm coming back someday. So, he is going to come back. The next word I wanted you to look at is down in verse 31. The word judge. You see, you're to remember things. Remember, what is the things that are in your life? You ever have flashbacks uh, to yesterday? A flashback to last week? When you were mean and ugly and unkind? Said things you shouldn't have said? Are there things in your life that you, you remember? Or what does God say to examine yourself and see if there's any wicked way in me to examine my heart, to see what needs to be corrected? Because the next word is not just examine, uh, but the, the word is judge. If you will correct the problem to judge it yourself, if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. And uh, the last word that I was going to mention is the, the word to correct. It means correct the problem. Because you see up there that word where it has unworthily, unworthily in verse 27, shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Now, this is written to the believer. In other words, you would be guilty of partaking of the Lord's Supper, the bread and the juice, without examining your life, without judging it, was it right or wrong, and without correcting it. And so if you don't remember, because you refuse to let the light of God's Word shine, and you don't examine your life, and you don't judge whether it was right or wrong, and you're not willing to correct what God reveals, to partake of the Lord's Supper in an unworthily manner because you did not correct the problem. God said, it's not a wise thing for you to do. And because of that, he says there in verse 30, for this cause many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. And this is just about the Lord's Supper. Do you realize there's a lot of God's people that never partake of the Lord's Supper? Just like there's Christians that never get baptized in water. It's a step of disobedience. Not to partake of the Lord's Supper is also disobedience that God judges. And yet there's some of God's people, they live their whole life and never do it. 
And because they don't discern, there's a price to pay. God, I don't believe, plays around. God doesn't play games. And part of a person's benefits in life and blessings in life is because of what God's Word has to say. So if you have trusted Christ as your Savior, do you remember anything in your life that you need to correct because you examine your life? Do you examine yourself? And do you judge it right or wrong and because of that you're, you're going to correct that? Did you know there's a verse in the Bible written just for Christians? It says something like this. That if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Anybody know where that verse is found in the Bible? 1 John 1, 9. It's for the believer. And some people don't want to think about that. But I believe it's the will of God. Let's have the men come down while I'm talking here just a little minute. You know Christ is your Savior. You're going to heaven. Would you take just a moment... And just talk to the Lord. And judge in your own mind. Are there things that need to be corrected? And if you will correct them, God won't have to. But to discern the Lord's body. So that when you partake of the, the bread and the grape juice. You know that he died on that cross and paid for your sins. That you as a child of God should not henceforth live unto yourselves should not henceforth live under sin, that old sinful nature that we have. And if you've been guilty of doing that, then you need to talk to the Lord about it. Look up here. You've heard it. You've seen it. Now follow it one more time through. This is you and me. This is sin. We all have sin on us. God, He loves us. He hates our sin, but He loves us. He loves you. But to pay for this sin, the wages of sin is death. So we're all condemned. All of us. We're all in the same boat. But God doesn't want us to pay for our sins. Because, see, the wages of sin is death. And if I die, I don't have the power to come back from the dead. You don't sleep in the grave. That's where the body goes. The worms get it. And then they die. You and I are absent from the body. We're either in presence with God or we're in a place called hell. Old Testament, Sheol, New Testament, Hades. We're in a place of torment. Until the Lord brings us out and we stand at the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment where every lost man is going to be judged according to his works. God will prove to every individual that no one had a right to eternal life. No one had a right to the holy city. No one had a right because you did not deserve it. And you rejected the payment he made for you. And then it'll determine the amount of punishment you receive in a literal fire burning final Gehenna. It's where they will be. So God loves us. He hates our sin. We're all guilty. We're all going to die. To go to heaven, we have to be perfect. No sin. But because of sin, we can't get in. That's impossible. We can't change this. There's nothing we can do to alter this. God says, your good works will never be good enough. 
You cannot earn your way to heaven by your good deeds. God says you can, you're already under the sentence of death. You must die. And you can't stop it. You may extend your life a little bit and not die at 70. You may die at 75. You might even make it to 80 or 90. But you're going to die. Now this hand. We're getting ready to take a load right now after church. This hand represents Jesus Christ. This is the good news. This is good news. Christ came into the world. He had no sin. He didn't have to die. But he loved us. He hated our sin. Because our sins keeps us apart. I can't get to him. And he can't get to me. So what Christ did was. Took my sins. And he died in my place. Came back from the dead. And he said he did this. For everybody in the world. So he opened it up. Whosoever believeth shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So you see, when he came back from the dead, all he wants us to do is to accept what he did for us. He died in my place. Christ died for my sins. Why? So that I don't have to pay for my sins. I don't have to pay for my sins. Listen to me. I don't have to pay for my sins. I'm not going to hell today or tomorrow or any time in the future. I cannot ever go to hell and ever pay for my sins. My sins have been paid in full. You say, well, that means you can just go out here and live like you please. I know. You want me to clarify that, but I'm not going to. It doesn't need any clarifying. It's either by grace or it's not by grace. But I will say this. Let's just pretend that Yankee Arnold has done everything in the book. And I trusted Christ as my Savior. God gives me eternal life and I'm now his child and I'm going to heaven when I die. And I keep on living, doing everything in the book. If I die and go to heaven, it'd be grace, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? The truth of the gospel is salvation is by grace. Did you know that knowing this and understanding this has challenged and motivated me to want to serve the Lord with all my heart? Because I'm not under a bondage. I'm free. Free to serve God with all my heart. I hope that makes sense to you. So you mean you can go out here and live like you please? That's what I've been doing for 55 years. I go to church because that pleases me. And I read my Bible because that pleases me. I serve God because that pleases me. I witness because that pleases me. And all the things that I do is because it pleases me. What's wrong with that? I knew you'd like that. So, have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Are you trying to earn your way to heaven by how good you are? Well, I'm not one of those bad sinners. Yes, you are. In God's eyes, there's no difference. He died for you. Would you believe it? Let's pray, shall we? Our Father, we do thank you so much for this opportunity to come before you. Well, we don't have all the answers, but we do know that we are supposed to live a pure life. And we know that we sometimes fail. And because of that, you made provision that we can come to you and confess to you 
and that you would cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we pray that your hand would be upon each person here to bless each one. And we thank you for that. And Father, we pray now as we partake of the, the Lord's Supper that the, the bread representing your body that was bearing the sins of the whole world upon you, that you were willing to take the sins and to die for us. And we thank you for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Have you ever heard that faith without works is dead? Or have you ever read James chapter 2? Does your faith produce good works? Some teach that if you don't serve the Lord, you're not saved. Is that true or false? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book. Or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed. Caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.